Good to be with you again for this series of daily devotionals in the book of Psalms, part of the Growing Disciples course. Uh, we know already that the book of Psalms is not arranged in random order, nor is it arranged in chronological or even alphabetical order. But there is an order, uh, some kind of intentional arrangement into groups and collections. At very least, the canonical text is divided up into five books, which seem to reflect some kind of thematic development throughout. As we focus on Psalm 2 today, it, it's clear that it's meant to be read in tandem with Psalm 1, as I suggested in the previous devotional. We enter into the book of Psalms by passing between these two sentinels, Psalms 1 and 2, which introduce two key themes, God's wisdom in Psalm 1 and God's king in Psalm 2. The two themes are held together by the idea of blessing, which bookends the two Psalms. Now, furthermore, it seems that the question posed by Psalm 1 is answered in Psalm 2. Previously, we asked, who is the Lord's righteous one, the man who was the subject of Psalm 1? Who is it who truly delights in God's word, whose work the Lord prospers, yielding fruit in season, uh, enduring year after year? It seems to me that Psalm 2 gives us his profile. Uh, as introduced in verse 2, the Lord's anointed. Let's see how it works. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The psalm begins with conflict. Why do the nations rage, simmering, murmuring and plotting against God's anointed ruler? Under kings David and Solomon, many nations would have tried to break away from God's anointed. Uh, centuries later, Jesus' apostles quote Psalm 2 in Acts 4, identifying Israel's own leaders with the nations in opposition to God, showing that the psalm's fulfilment is not nationalistic or even geopolitical. And so today we know that God's anointed one continues to be opposed and derided by many kings of the earth. The nations still don't like being under God's rule, but as verse 1 says, their rage is in vain. The idea of breaking free from God's chains and shackles is a delusion echoing the snake in the Garden of Eden. Satan misrepresented God's blessing, living under God's rule in God's place as God's people. He misrepresented these as hostile restrictions, holding mankind back from their proper freedom. But of course, that was all a lie. True freedom is found in living under God's gracious sovereignty. That's what blessing actually is. That's the argument that's developed throughout the entire book of Psalms. Well, in the face of organized human hostility, God laughs. Verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Now, while the tone of God's response to human rebellion might surprise us here, the power imbalance is ridiculous. To be clear, God is opposed to all who reject and rebel against his anointed. Perhaps no longer nations, 
but individuals, communities, philosophies, cultures. In the face of their rebellion, it is God who does the laughing. Mind you, God's people do not do the mocking and rebuking. They wait and depend upon him to enact his word. His king is installed and will soon affect his rule. And that word soon is essential to the setting of all of the Psalms. This now but not yet tension is found throughout the book of Psalms. Even though God's sovereignty is complete and his anointed revealed and confirmed, we still wait. We still depend upon God to bring in the new Jerusalem, Zion, his holy mountain, which in Hebrews 12 is the center of the new creation. Having swatted away human rebellion, God now addresses his anointed in verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. In this very important section, we see that the king has the status of God's son. The Lord's anointed of verse 2 is God's king in verse 6. And now God addresses him as his son. Psalm 2 is a father addressing his son, saying that your rule is going to be universal. All nations will be yours to rule over. The ends of the earth will belong to you. The son will have absolute power over any and all who oppose him. And who is this anointed royal son? David and Solomon and their successors were figuratively referred to as God's sons, but none ever truly fit the descriptions here and elsewhere. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, the actual son of God the Father, anointed by the Holy Spirit, resurrected and ascended to God's right hand of power, only he fills out the dimensions of Psalm 2. Only he is the righteous one of Psalm 1. And from the earliest days, Jesus' apostles preached exactly this message. And so in Acts 13, this message is proclaimed. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors, he's fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead, so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it's stated also elsewhere, you will not let your holy ones see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Jesus' resurrection decisively demonstrates he is God's son, uniquely above all other Davidic kings, who merely foreshadowed the nature of his relationship with his father. Jesus' divine authority is undisputed. And yet in Psalm 2, in the face of God's absolute power, a place of refuge is offered to the rebels. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So there's a place of refuge offered to the rebels. 
And there's a warning here too. Judgment is coming, but it's not too late to change allegiance to join with God's anointed. Uh, kissing the sun in verse 12 there is an act of voluntary submission. Uh, as Derek Kidner, commentator, says of Jesus, there is no refuge from him, only in him. So reading Psalm 2, we realize so clearly that we do not stand on the same platform as the Lord Jesus. We're not his equal. He is not our little mate. Instead, there is no true worship of God without full submission to his son, his anointed king. Taking refuge in him, we learn a right fear of God. We celebrate his rule with trembling and we even do this with an assured confidence, but never presumption. His grace is still open to all who will turn to him. However, those who kiss the sun remain aware that his wrath is still part of his holiness. They are inseparable qualities. I wonder how you describe your relationship status with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on that and then turn your reflections into prayers of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus, God's anointed Son. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead you to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. 